Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the golden age of love's architecture. This is Land Sharks After Dark, a podcast about the old Miss Rebels. Uh, I'm your host, Justin Sanders, joined by my co-host, John Stefanzik. John, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Justin, and uh, I'll bring back the Boston Weekly Weather Report as it was 68 degrees and sunny wow. today. It was nice outside. It sounds like someplace people actually want to live, almost. It sounds yeah, great. Yeah, like three months of the year, maybe, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, before we get started today talking about Ole Miss, and we do have a lot to talk about, it's been a pretty busy week for Ole Miss, uh, I want to tell you that Landsharks After Dark is a member of Rebel Sports Radio on the V-Sporto Network. You can follow Rebel Sports Radio on Twitter at Rebel Sport Radio or uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rebel Sports Radio. You can download the app on iTunes or uh, I think there's an Android app now too. I know that they're revamping that right now. Um, but it's great, guys, and we're so happy to be on Rebel Sports Radio. Uh, before we get into our content, I just want to tell everybody about something, uh, a little promotion going on from our great sponsor, Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Uh, every week, we're going to be bringing you a, a few tips to spring clean your diet. You know, everybody loves a good spring cleaning, so, uh, you know, why don't we try to clean up our diets a little bit? So, t- this week's tip, why don't you try, John, you can try this, okay? Why don't you try okay. switching out high-calorie nat- nacho cheese sauce, French onion dip, ranch or blue trees dressing, or mayo, for a healthier alternative like salsa, vinaigrette dressings, low carb barbecue sauce, or mustard. So that's some that's some that's some uh, some healthier sauces, John. I know we all love sauces. I personally can't eat anything without some uh, some ranch dressing on it. But uh, so keep your ears open for more spring cleaning tips from Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Mississippi, or visit bcbsms.com for a variety of healthy living articles and advice to help you achieve your fitness goals. Remember, everybody, it's good to be blue. All right, guys, so we have a special guest this week on to talk with us a little bit about Ole Miss spring football and about Ole Miss baseball, and he's an old college buddy of uh, mine and John's, so uh, he's a writer and blogger for OleMissSports.com, Austin Miller. Did I get that right, Austin? Um, yes, you did, and I, I was taking notes on the spring cleaning of your diet, too. It's, hey, the tips work for anybody, man. I, you, could, you could try those. Instead of nacho cheese on top of everything, you know, try some vinaigrette. Why not? And salsa is already the most popular condiment, so you know. I mean, I guess wow. people are doing those, doing those things. Yeah, we're learning already, guys. <laughs> so um, we're joining you here, recording this on Monday night. Uh, last weekend, Ole Miss's spring football practice culminated in the annual Grove Bowl, which uh, this year was actually a game between two teams. I don't think we've seen that yet in the Hugh Freeze era. Y'all have to correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, they split the, the available athletes up into two teams, and they weren't all available. As you know, Ole Miss has quite a few injuries right now. But uh, there was a blue team and a red team. Uh, the blue team won 17-7, to although that's really not that significant because Devontae Kincaid played quarterback for both teams. Chad Kelly threw a touchdown pass, but Jalen Walton also threw a touchdown pass for Chad Kelly's team. So I don't think that score is really too relevant. But uh, we did get to see the team practice, and Austin, I don't know if you've actually seen the team more than that uh, throughout the spring, but what were your takeaways from the Grove Bowl, and kind of your thoughts on spring in general? Um, I, I've seen a couple practices. I guess probably the biggest thing about the, the spring game is um, 
other than the last play where T. Shepard may have pulled a hamstring, they they, they came out of the, the the Grow Bowls healthy. No one else got hurt, so that was that was definitely a positive. And mm-hmm. you got to see got to get a lot of young guys, a lot of good looks, a lot of good reps, and probably the I mean the quarterbacks. I mean obviously that's probably the, one of the biggest storylines. But the, the cornerbacks that look good, and the in the running game also looks like it's taking a couple steps forward. Those are probably some of the the biggest things from my from my limited. Um, I guess observations of the team. I guess that's kind of what I take away from spring practice. Okay. Okay. Yeah, John. What about you? What do you think? I like I like the running back point you made there, Austin. I think I I watched uh, most of the Grove Bowl and replay on my tablet this weekend, and the segment they had with Freeze when he was actually live, like on the field talking to the talking to the broadcast crew. And also, you probably didn't get to see that because you're there actually at the game. But he was sitting there. He was emphasizing the whole dirty run concept, which I'm a big fan of he's he's definitely is, seems like his attitude and demeanor is like we are close to being a great team we need to refine the details one of those being our the team's ability to get a yard get a yard on first down if there's not a if there's not an obvious hole for the running running game versus losing three big down and distance factor as well as the tempo of the offense there's definitely a sense and a sense of urgency to go faster this year and i think that's part of what's playing into this quarterback battle we've Heard from multiple sources or seen multiple reports, or Buchan- if anything, Buchanan is publicly the slight leader. I'll go ahead. <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I'll go ahead and just say that I think Chad Kelly is going to be the quarterback. I want I want Chad Kelly to be the quarterback. I watched him throw that touchdown pass in the first quarter over Taylor nice. Polk's head. Yeah. It was. I mean, I don't think anybody else on the roster can make a throw like that. And it actually and hit the mark. Kincaid has the arm, but Kincaid has shown accuracy consistency for long enough for me to question his ability to do so. And Buchanan does all the little things right, where they get the play set. If he, he beats, he gets the de- catches the defense off sides. All the the uh, dotting the eyes and crossing the t's component of the offense. But I think it's from a physical talent perspective, I like what I see from Kelly. If we can get Kelly to do the little things as well as Buchanan does, I think I think Ole Miss is in really good shape quarterback wise going going into the fall. Sure. And, and you know, to me, saying that Buchanan has the lead is is pretty natural. I mean, how would Buchanan not have the lead over someone who just came into the program, um, hasn't had but a couple of months? Uh, well, actually, about four months, I guess, with the playbook. Um, it would be weird to me if Buchanan wasn't ahead. The difference is that. Buchanan's ahead in things that Chad Kelly can definitely make up ground on. Whereas I don't think that Ryan Buchanan's arm is necessarily going to get stronger or get to the level that Chad Kelly's is at. So I like that advantage to Chad Kelly. Um, it makes sense to me that Buchanan's the leader right now. I really like Devontae Kincaid, and I've liked him since he came to Ole Miss. Um, I think it's becoming pretty obvious at this point that he can't be your every down back, at least not in the system that Hugh Freeze wants to run, uh, not with Ole Miss's emphasis on his wide receiver core. But I think he is a good change of pace guy. He could be a short yardage quarterback, kind of like Jeremy Liggins next uh, last year. Um, and he's definitely somebody you want to have on your bench for depth. But I think that uh, the starting quarterback is definitely going to be either Ryan Buchanan or Chad Kelly. Um, you know, Austin, obviously you saw the Grove Bowl, and you said you saw a couple other practices. Um, what have you seen out of those two quarterbacks? Um, I, I mean, Chad's the arm strength there. I mean, it, it's I, I mean, it's the strongest arm that I've seen of an Ole Miss quarterback since I've been covering the team since I think my, my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So that was probably like four or five years. He definitely has the strongest arm, and he makes a couple throws that you kind of turn your head and and, you, and you're really impressed. But I, I, I do think that if the season started tomorrow, I think Ryan would would be your quarterback. I mean, he like like you got like both you guys said he he 
he knows the playbook. He he makes he makes the, the the smart throws. He makes the right reads and the and Freeze said as much that he that he was the leader going into the into the Grove Bowl. But who who's to say that Chatter Devontae um, wins the job in the fall? Once you get the full complement of offensive linemen, you you bring in all the freshmen. I, I think it's, it was kind of hard to tell this spring because there was just so many players out, and you don't have the freshman the freshman coming in either. So it's it's hard to get a complete picture in the spring. Absolutely, yeah, that's a great point too. I think that uh, Ole Miss has some some big time prospects coming in, uh, especially Eric Swinney at running back. I think he can make an impact next year. Although Akeem, Akeem Judd looks good, guys. Yeah, he really does. I think Judd he because he came in with a toe injury last year and redshirted. And he really, I mean, he looks like a guy, the guy he was built built out to be. So that he and Wilkins both look good. Walton is is a, is a steady performer. I think I think they're okay at running back, and part and they've made schematic and play calling adjustments. It sounds like from quotes I've seen from Dan Warner and whatnot that that's a big point of emphasis for sure. I, and I'll tell you, from while we're talking about the offensive side of the ball, Der, Derek Jones is going to contribute in the fall. I he's, agree, absolutely. He's he has talent at the outside receiver position. He made a couple back shoulder catches that were really pretty to watch. Right, he can get open. He just has to get consistent with catching it once he gets open. But I think he will. They have so many guys on that side of the ball, and that's not including the the two guys coming in, Demarcus right. Demarcus Lodge and I'm forgetting Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much talent at the receivers, and that's not to mention Evan Ingram and Sammy Epps at tight end. I mean. They have plenty of guys to throw to. That's not going to be the, the issue in all. And I mean, and like guys like Dial Harris haven't been mentioned at all this spring, and they were talked about as as big time, you know, impact players. So I think there's so much depth in that wide receiver room. Um, what did you guys think about uh, Demore Stringfellow? Obviously, Austin, you've had a little more uh, exposure to him, but this was kind of our first chance to see him uh, operate in a game situation. Uh, obviously, Ole Miss fans are hoping. He can be another Laquan Treadwell. He's he's a little bit taller, six three. He's, he's big, two thirty. But I don't know. Consistency seems to be a problem. I mean, he he looked the part on the, on the, on, the, on that touchdown when he. I mean, he 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 fought, he fought off the defensive back and then he like stiff armed him and, and and ran away. I mean, the spring the the Grove Bowl for by all, by all indication was probably the, the best part of his spring. I know I know huh. Coach Freeze and a couple of players said that maybe he, he he. I guess you know he's still kind of swimming a little bit. He's still you know getting used to it used to you know playing with the first team often after being on the scout team but right. the Grobel he definitely showed the potential that he can have in the fall absolutely uh did y'all notice who that was that chased uh Stringfellow down and almost made a tackle at the one yard line Channing Ward special teams extraordinaire that's right Channing Ward is such a beast his his side to speed his size to speed ratio is is just off the charts I was very impressed by that play and I think next year could be the year that, that he makes a, a big impact. Obviously, he's made an impact. He forced that fumble against Alabama. I mean, he's made impacts, just not every down at defensive end. He played really well in the Arkansas game last year, where it was just an awful game to watch. But Ch- Channing's good. The defense be a was solid. good, though. The defense was good yeah. in that game. The, Channing's going to be a solid, dependable contributor on that side of the ball back to Stringfellow real quick. Yeah, go ahead, John. I, we've seen that he, we, we've seen the, I've seen the quotes where he's inconsistent and freezes sounds pretty critical of him. But I'll tell you, you watch him play that dude, he, he can play. And I see why freeze is on him now, because there's no reason why he can't be a, a one. He and Laquan can't be a one, a one B receiver combination. I mean, that dude is hard to tackle. He's a bruiser. He was he was running half speed after he caught that pass from Jalen, and I mean Channing Ward still couldn't bring him down. I mean he just fought his way into the end zone. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about offensive line. I honestly was surprised by how uh, little it seemed like the offensive line was getting blown up on Saturday. Obviously, uh, the defense is probably in some pretty vanilla looks. I think they were holding the reins back on their aggressiveness. But uh, for a totally beat-up offensive line, missing probably four of its best six players somewhere in that area, uh, and then splitting the two teams, I thought they looked decent. And uh, what about Jeremy Liggins? He looks like he might be coming along and could play tackle next year, actually. What, what I've said about Jeremy Liggins, what people have asked me about them, is like if you didn't know he was a converted quarterback or tight end, you probably would not know. I mean, I mean, it's not, it's, there's not, it's not like he's glaringly behind the other offensive linemen. I mean, I think that I think that's a, a yeah to him more than anything else that like unless you knew it you, you wouldn't know he's a converted quarterback absolutely and so athletic um also some other guys looked a little bit improved from last year i know justin bells lost 20 30 pounds and he, he pulled a, and looked good he had a he had a great block on the the kickout block on the, the eugene bradley touchdown right. like yeah. i mean like, like that like the play went the way exactly how they drew it up and it went for a touchdown I mean, that, I mean, there are there are a couple plays like that where like you see the potential of what of what the offense can be in the fall. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I guess a question for you guys um, moving forward is how do you bring these guys back from injury? Because when you're talking about you know some of the elite players like Laquan Treadwell, Laramie Tunsil, um, and I guess Denzel Kimichi to a lesser extent, but I want to most talk about those two guys. Um, do you even worry about getting them live reps uh, before the season starts? I mean, they're kind of your franchise players. You know they can play. How worried are you about risking an offseason injury after they're just coming back from their injuries? Well, if they, it, it's interesting because I think if they had, like, hypothetical, let's say Bo Wallace was coming back another year, then I think he, I, I would borderline barely practice Laquan but since they have a new they're gonna have a new quarterback they need just from the receiver standpoint there needs to be some form of chemistry development well he's already he's he's running routes on air and he was he was dressed out in the Grove Bowl too I I mean I think it was a game that he would have absolutely played in the Grove right but still you got to be careful with those guys right yeah, but, I mean his his recovery has been off the charts. He's, pro- I mean, I know when we talked when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he was at seventy five, eighty percent. I mean, he's he's probably almost close to being one hundred percent back. I think Laramie's probably the, the more concerning of the two as far as coming back. Yeah, although he's he's obviously on track to come back. It's just he's less further along than Laquan. Yeah, he's, is. he's too much too much behind Laquan. Right. So Austin, you've seen have you seen Laquan running routes on air? Or no. Oh, I've seen I've seen him run routes on air and and is he faster? He says he's faster. I mean, I think he said after he talked to us. I mean, it's hard it's hard to tell. He's right. I mean, he's he's not Quincy Adeboyjo as far as speed. So I mean, it's hard to tell if he's faster. I mean, that's not really his game. I mean, he's more of an all around type receiver. But I mean, he he looked fine. I mean, obviously they held him out. They probably don't, they didn't want him to possibly re injure it. But I mean, he looked the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I just think that's that's deadly. If Laquan can keep his physicality, keep his strength. Uh, and pick up some more speed. I mean, he's going to be even better than we've seen him in his career so far. Um, let's look at some more notes here. Uh, Mike Hilton won the Chucky Mullins Courage Award. He's going to wear number 38 next season. I think that's a good choice. Mike Hilton is somebody that's always showing up at work. You know, he's devoted to his defense. He's not a real vocal guy, you know, outside of the locker room or anything like that. But he seems like someone that Dan Werner obviously loves. So, you know, seems like a good choice to me. And he, he's done everything. He's played every position in the defensive backfield. And, I mean, he might not be the vocal leader of, like, maybe like a C.J. Johnson, but, he, but I mean, that guy's definitely listen to me. That guy's definitely respond to him on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely for sure. Hilton's a, a versatile player. Womack loves him. And speaking of the secondary, can we take a minute to salute T. Shepard and Tony Bridges? I finally got oh, to man. see them, at least see them on a football field. Oh my goodness, that's going to be Tony. Tony Bridges, Tony Bridges is fun to watch. I, I mean, the the I remember the the, the Saturday scrimmage that was open to the media. He was going one on one with um with with the um, Demario Strength. Strength caught the touchdown, but it was like flawless coverage and. I mean, it was just like high level, like you know, a kind of play you expect in like October, November, not exactly in right early April. I I love Bridges' game, and I, I love his length. Uh, he really does need to calm down a little bit. I mean, that pass interference call in the Grove Bowl was pretty bad. Like that guy was triple covered, and Bridges still felt the need to get there like a second early and just totally jack him up. So hopefully, he's gonna calm down a little bit as he gets more comfortable, you know, with the schemes and with the team and all of that stuff. Because uh, I think he's going to be a really great player. But but T. Shepard, I think he's almost already there. I mean, I, I was freaking out about the, the possible injury on that last play. Um, if you guys weren't watching, he he had a pick at the five-yard line, ran it back to about midfield, and then pulled up, kind of ran a little bit more, pulled up again, uh, just went down to the last play of the game. So I was like, man, that would be a terrible way to end this day. But uh, it seems like all reports out of Oxford, Austin, uh, obviously you're more connected to this than I am, but it seems like he's okay. Um. Freeze did not seem too concerned talking to us after the media. Obviously, we haven't talked to Freeze since, and right. I, I don't know anything other than what he told us, but it didn't seem like too big of a concern. And I mean, the good thing is, I mean, you know, season's six months away. Right. If it's something as minor as a pulled hamstring, I mean, he has nothing to worry about this far out. Um, Let's see. What else have we not talked about from this spring? Um, Breland, Breland speaks. Looks like the real deal out there yeah. next to Kadichi. He's big and tall, bat, bats balls down. Like He and DJ Jones, they, I've, I've harped on this for probably too much, but he and DJ Jones next to Robert is going to make Robert's life easier, which Robert may – I think, may, I think uh, Breland's going to back up Robert as it is right now. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, like 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 Dave Womack even said that like like sometimes it's hard to tell him and Robert apart, which is I mean that's a huge yeah that's a, that's a that's a pretty big credit to him to Breland right there. Absolutely, no, I'm I'm with you, John. Those those balls he was batting down, like he had maybe three or four in that short game. He definitely did. The other guy, no, I think Victor Evans will give him some, give him a presence. I didn't notice him on Saturday. Did y'all see him making any plays? I missed him. The main guy I noticed on the edge was was Marquise Haynes, which is not really a, a big surprise. Right. I mean, I think I think he ended up with um, two. I think he ended up with two sacks. I think Channing ended up with two sacks too. I mean, it's it's really hard. The, the 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 sack statistic in the Grove Bowl. Be, I mean, other than Devontae who was live, the other two aren't live, so it's really hard to kind of quantify a sack in the Grove Bowl because I mean they blow the whistle and right. who knows if the quarterback gets away or whatever. But I mean, those are the two guys that really knows with Channing and Marquise. Yeah, Chad Kelly seemed kind of uh, a little perturbed by that green jersey. I think that he um, he was ready to break through some of those tackles and make a Manziel throw or sprint downfield. But, uh, I mean, he scrambled even though he was wearing the green jersey on one play. So um, I don't think you have to worry too much about him taking a ton of sacks uh, if he's able to get away. Not so sure about Buchanan. He looked a little less sure in the pocket, I'd say. But, I mean... He is that game operator, as everybody's been saying. He is the guy that's going to take the least risk, probably. But I'm not positive that's what Ole Miss needs next year. I mean, I've been talking with a lot of people, and, and Bo Wallace obviously had the reputation for turning the ball over and stuff like that. But honestly, the only game that Bo Wallace affected with the turnover last year was LSU. And, and it wasn't like Ole Miss was in a great situation before his turnover anyway. 
Um, besides that, most of his picks last year, in the end, didn't matter much because the defense was so good. I think maybe the exception of that would be Arkansas, although our offense you know, couldn't do anything that day. So I don't know if you can just blame picks for that. But I guess yeah, my, my point is, I'm not necessarily afraid of risk with our defense. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would agree. I think as far as my hesitation Buchanan and especially with his game manager role and being the quarterback is I don't think this I don't think the offensive line even completely healthy is good enough to where you can just say okay the O line is going to get us enough yards rushing yeah. and then we'll run play action from there the strength of this team is the receiving core and they th- can throw the ball enough along some tempo to create some running lanes so you ne- you need a quarterback with an aggressive mindset I guess to get back to the point Chad Kelly like just watching him, he strikes me as a guy that plays better in a game than he practices. So, yeah. and how how do you actually determine that during a quarterback battle? I have no idea. You, at some point, you just kind of have to go with your gut. We'll see with what see what Freeze does. He sees way more, well, sees a lot more practice than we he's do. He's also but. said that he might he might keep all three in the rotation for the first two games of the season. So maybe that's part of that decision too. That's a good point. That's the other thing, too, and that even ties back in. You were talking about Laramie and Laquan and their injury comeback earlier. I'll, I'll pr- bring both those points together. They don't really have to have things figured out until, oh, what's it, September 20th when they play Alabama. The first two games are scrimmages. So yeah. they can they can play around with some things. You talk about the C.J. Johnson middle linebacker experiment. That can go on until the first week of the season, more or less, and be refined. Same thing, if Laramie's a little – if they need to give Laramie another week or so, like if he needs to miss a week of fall camp, who cares? Because he's, like I said, he's got until middle of September to be ready to roll. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Was there anything else that stood out to you during the spring, Austin? I mean, the offensive lineman kind of changed their body. Just like Justin Bell, I know he dropped a lot, of, uh, dropped a lot of weight. Jordan Sid dropped a lot of weight. I mean, I think the offensive line is going to be better, and I, th- I think it showed in the way that they were able to run the ball against such a talented defensive front. I mean, I, I, you saw in the Grove, I know Freeze said it, they, they saw it in one of the, the last practices of the spring. I, I, I think the, the offensive line is, is probably a, a big point of encouragement. Yeah, no, I, I think that they have a lot of potential there, especially with all the people that were watching from the sidelines on Saturday. Um, I mean, if you can turn Javon Patterson into a contributor uh, come Alabama, I, I think you're, you're pretty solid up front. Um, I think Fawn Cooper's to take a step this year. Uh, ben Still should be pretty solid at center after this offseason. Uh, he looks pretty good, too, Austin. I saw a picture of him, and he, he's, he's dropped some LBs. Um, and then Rod Taylor, and then Laramie Tunsil. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty solid uh, starting front. Maybe the only pot person on that line you might question in the SEC would be Still, and, and he's proven to be pretty dependable last year. So, um, you know, there's potential for them to, to be a lot better on the line next year. Obviously, a lot of that's going to have to do with injuries and uh, staying out of more injury trouble come August. But, you know, uh, things look fine. It was a spring game. There wasn't really too much to take away from it. The defense is going to be really good next year. So that's something to be excited about if you're an old Miss fan. And, and I think that the quarterback probably is going to be Chad Kelly, at least if I get, you know, my wishes. And I think he'd be really fun to watch, too. So do you guys have anything else you want to say about the Grove Bowl, about spring practice? Nope, that's about all I had. I think we covered it. So, All right. Well, we're about to take a quick break, guys. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Ole Miss beating the number one team in the country again. Five and four on the season versus team ranked number one in baseball. Basically makes no sense with a 500 overall record. But, you know, we're getting used to it. We're learning as we go. So uh, the week started out on a bit of a rocky note in the midweek. Uh, as I mentioned last week, 
since I live in Jackson, I, I try to make the Ole Miss games when they play at Trustmark Park. So I headed out there naturally on Tuesday to watch Ole Miss play Southern Miss. I honestly don't know why I go to those games, guys. I mean, usually I just get mercilessly mocked by Southern Miss fans who think they're going to Omaha every year. But uh, it was okay this year. I, I stayed away from them generally, but Ole Miss did not get the win. Not a huge surprise, but they kept it close. The final score was 6-5. Um, I thought they got some good pitching out of some middle relievers, Sam Smith, Drake Robeson, Mitchell Babb. Um, all looked pretty good, uh, but they fell and then turned around on Thursday and had to play against number one team in the country, number two in some polls, uh, Vanderbilt. And I got to say, guys, Vanderbilt looks really good. I thought they looked great uh, most of the weekend. Their pitching is stellar. Carson Fulmer threw 14 strikeouts on Thursday night, threw a complete game shutout. He struck out the last five batters. Um, and Ole Miss just looked completely powerless at the plate. Did not look great on off on defense, excuse me. Uh, Trent had a fine game. He gave up three or four home runs, though. Um, basically, I was thinking that, that Ole Miss was looking at maybe their first sweep um, of the season uh, at the hands of Vandy, obviously. Uh, and Friday night's game didn't seem too different through nine innings. Um, in the top of the ninth, Ole Miss was down 5-1. Uh, to one. Vanderbilt pulled their starter, Walker Bueller, and put in a reliever. I think his name was Pfeiffer. And uh, he did not have a great ninth inning. He he plunked one, walked two, uh, brought up Colby Bortles, and lo and behold, the most insane thing possible happened. And Colby Bortles hit a grand slam uh, over the left field wall, tied the game up 5-5 in the ninth. Uh, and that started kind of a crazy odyssey. I, I'm not sure if you guys were watching. Uh, I watched maybe 13 or 14 innings, but I ended up leaving the house to go out before it was all said and done. But Scott Weathersby, uh, who was named co-SEC Pitcher of the Week today, uh, had just an incredible outing. He threw six innings, only gave up two hits with 10 strikeouts, all in relief. Um, pretty incredible game, really. I know in the 12th or 13th, he had bases loaded, no outs. Got a couple strikeouts, got a pop-up uh, to work out of that. So very impressive from Weathersby. Um, as we've been saying all along, he's definitely Ole Miss's best uh, middle reliever, kind of a guy that can give you more than one inning. Um, and then, you know, I kind of thought I thought it was over. Um, I, I thought with all the pitching that we used on Saturday night, there was no way we could win a Sunday game. Um, game three, it was actually on a Saturday. Uh, Ole Miss hadn't won one all season. Uh, in the SEC, but lo and behold, Ole Miss found a way to outplay Vanderbilt every phase of the game. Will Stokes, guys, is coming along as a, a very solid Game 3 option, the freshman, um, and, and Ole Miss ends up winning uh, Game 3 5-4, to four, I want to say. Yeah, that's right. So, pretty great weekend for Ole Miss. Um, as I mentioned, 5-4 and four against teams ranked number one on the season, and Texas A&M is still waiting in a month or so. So, what were you guys' takeaway from the weekend? Austin, you go ahead. You go first, Austin. Go ahead, Austin. I, mean, I don't think you can be much happier than taking two out of three, and and I think and I think you 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 found some more arms on in the in the bullpen too, because I mean, Sam Smith, Jacob Wagaspak. I mean, they they stepped up on Saturday and, and they pitched when they had to because because Wyatt Short and Scott Wesley always probably weren't available after um, after their heroics the night before. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot of encouraging things. You won the two out of three, but you but you really kind of saw that once again you saw the potential what this team can do and. And they found more quality arms, which is what which is what you're going to need come postseason play if, if they get to that point. Absolutely, John. I'll tell you. Last week, after they had lost the series against the Tennessee, and then especially with after seeing the, the the Southern game ending the way it did, I 
I pretty much then then they go out and they get just I mean Carson Fulmer is a terrific pitcher, but they had they were lost against him. I fi- I kind of figured the season was more or less over with. I saw Bramlett was off to a good start on a Friday night, and then uh, I think I believe it was Deshaun missed a fly ball at the yeah. wall, and then that uh, that really should have been caught, and then a two out home run followed. Basically Vanderbilt was like, okay, here they go, they're going to take it. I got up, I believe, that put them up three to one. They expanded the lead to five to one. As you mentioned, the the basically they bring in their closer who walks the bases loaded, and Bortles takes advantage of it and just absolutely killed that ball over the fence. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can't give Weathersby enough props. He went out there and just shut down Vanderbilt. They get through ninety six pitches, rubber arm, something like that. Yeah, he was terrific. And then Lar- Henry Larte comes in and he. He roped a double down the line to score L. Robinson from first in the 16th. I was actually – I had gone out and was back in and <laughs> saw the game was still going and watched it and was like, holy cow, this is – That's wild. It was, that, was in, that was with two outs too. Like, I mean, it, it seemed like that happened throughout extra innings. It would be two outs and then they'd get somebody on and you know, it just felt like it was never going to end. And then just like that, I mean, almost took the lead. And, I mean, it felt, I mean, it felt like it was – I mean, it kind of felt like it was over there even before even until they, before they went to the bottom of that inning. I feel like once the team had scored, I mean, obviously it was Vanderbilt that they had scored, it had been over. But I feel like it felt like once Ole Miss would have scored, they, they were going to win that game. Right, yeah. It was it was a big momentum thing in extras, obviously. I'm, honestly, I don't really know what happened to Vanderbilt's bats, guys. They were they were pretty fatal early in the weekend. Um, and then it seemed like they just, they just weren't seeing Ole Miss's pitchers at all. Uh, as I mentioned, Stokes got his first career win, and I thought he looked really good. I think he might have gone uh, four or five innings. And uh, and just played great for a freshman, especially against a team like Vanderbilt. Yeah, he went he went six things, which was which is really what they needed after the after the bullpen yeah. worked so much the the the, um, the, the night before. And um, I saw the um, Adam Kuffner, the baseball SID. I saw the the stat and the on the on Saturday, the bullpen threw fifteen and two thirds scoreless innings this weekend. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, Weatherby had the the six innings in that in that in that Friday game, but fifteen two scoreless. I mean, if you if you get that from your bullpen every weekend. Uh, you, you, you can win, you can win some games. You can win some series. Yeah, absolutely. So Ole Miss is hoping that uh, this will be somewhat of a turning point, um, kind of a, a down week. Hopefully, uh, as far as competition goes, um, I think you get UT Martin on Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night, Wednesday, um, and then Ole Miss will travel to Auburn this weekend. Uh, Auburn actually actually took a game from LSU uh, last weekend. They had a, a great performance out of one of their pitchers. So. Interesting to watch that, but Ole Miss is obviously hoping that it'd be a good chance for another road SEC series win. Um, do you know anything about Austin or about Auburn Austin or, or John? I'll, I'll go ahead just for for the sake. I mean, we talk about it's a little bit of a it's you're playing teams at Auburn this week upcoming weekend, and then uh, home against Alabama the next for double decker that aren't as 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 good. They don't have the number one ranking, but I between those six games and then playing Tennessee, Martin, Central Arkansas, and Memphis at home. They need to go a minimum six and three. Really, I'll, I'll go ahead and set seven and two as the target. And at this point, it's interesting because the, the di- distinguishment between midweek and week and conference games is fairly irrelevant because they have now, with their five wins over Florida, Vanderbilt, and uh, LSU, their base, their RPI is really strong. Their strength of schedule is the number one in the country. Mm-hmm. If they, the key, the the one metric that's the biggest hindrance for them getting in the tournament. Is their overall record because Absolutely. if they went if they if they're over five hundred they'll win they they'll win fourteen conference games which is what they need to do and they'll they've shown they can beat really good teams especially if they could add in a win over a And M at the end of the year as well so 
it's almost like it, it's it's almost like because obviously they're not going to host by any stretch unless they went out, which is not even a realistic proposition. But I mean, it's really like they're playing. I mean, the the Tennessee Martin game means as much as the is the third Auburn game in a lot of ways. Well, because at this point, a win's a win, and like I said, they. They could. I mean, they need to go two and one, three and zero between those three non-conference, and then go four and two, minimum against those two SEC foes. Because the back end of their schedule, which at the beginning of the year we thought, okay, this is their opportunity. Yeah, it's gotten go tougher. Yeah, they go to Missouri, which I don't have the record in front They're of. They're good. Them, they, Missouri's good. That good year. Play State at home. It's always competitive, but State they, they Ole Miss should win that series at home, and then they they host A and M, which. They should be able to take a game. There's an opportunity getting them at it's home. They've done, well, yeah. done well at home against number one teams. That yeah, exactly. They've beaten Florida in a home series like two out of the last four years. I want to say. And yeah, South Carolina a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they you, you could get them in Oxford, and you know they 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 play pretty well against number one teams. Yeah, especially considering I mean how they've done so far this year against number one teams. Um, it's pretty. I mean, pretty impressive. Honestly, I think Aaron Fit. From uh, D1 Baseball was talking about it. Um, I mean, I think we're the only team in the country that's even played three series against number one ranked teams. I would assume. Yeah, you you have to assume that. Yeah. So yeah, that that and the that and the series at UCF. I mean, the right. schedule they've played so far has been really incredible. Plus two midweek games versus Louisville. I mean, the yeah. schedule is is tough. This is really good too this year. Yeah, exactly. Give you just give give me like four games over five hundred at the end of at the end of the A and M series, and then go lose the first game in Hoover and rest everybody up. Yeah, as long as you can get over five hundred, just lose in Hoover. And, yeah, I agree. Just lose the single elimination game and get out. So we, I'm already starting the lose in Hoover campaign. <laughs> unless unless we need a couple games for five hundred, and then it's a whole different. Unless we game. need to win the tournament, then it's a whole different proposition. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A um, couple of players starting to shine a little bit in the lineup. Freshman Connor Cloyd, um, kind of the new Kyle Watson of the mid series. He's hitting really well right now. He's taking over Kyle's spot in left field. Um, speaking of Kyle Watson, he's really hit that freshman slump we were predicting. I think he's over the last 18 or something like that. So um, you're hoping some of these freshmen that are going through these these mini slumps or slumps will start seeing it a little better as the year goes on. Honestly, guys, the hitting still isn't great. I mean, even against Vanderbilt, we're only talking about timely hits. I mean, you had Bortles Grand Slam, um, didn't score on Thursday, obviously. He had Lartigue's double. Um, and then, uh, you know, pushed a couple runs across on Saturday and then kind of got that freak two-run single out of Errol Robinson with the bases loaded on Saturday that won the game. Um, honestly, it just you know what I'm saying? Just still not where you want to be at the plate. But at th- this weekend, it happened to come at the right time, so it worked out. So definitely still something to worry about there if you're old Miss. You really want some of those hitters to start seeing the ball a little bit better. Obviously, Bortles is playing really well right now. He's looked great at third, too, guys. You all seen some of these plays he's been making? I haven't been able to follow it, but I but I'm sure. I guess Golson's at second now. Bord, yeah. I mean Bortles is physically capable of playing good defense. Yeah, Blackman's you that's other freshman that you really need to start hitting. Exactly. Yeah, I think at this point the offense is what it is. The, this team's formula is starting pitching and then bullpen bullpen arms and playing solid defense. Yeah, they were fair. able to play. They were able to play solid defense this past weekend, and then. Really, the key. I mean, you know, short weather's going to be be good good arms out of the pen. But having Wagaspec and Sam, and Sam Smith, Sam Smith's two innings on Saturday, that can it cannot be understated how 
key that would be if he could turn into to something reliable out of the bullpen. Just to know you have another option back there that you can go to and trust to get you some outs, especially at the at the end of the weekend. So that that's this team's formula. I, they're just not offensively. They they don't have the depth this year, and part of it's just because they're young and experienced. But with the way I mean, with the way baseball works, I mean, you play good defense, you have good pitching, you're gonna run, you're gonna accidentally score enough runs to win enough to win some games. So. They did a good job Saturday getting guys on base. I know, I know one of the scores was a, a double play that scored a run, and the arrow, you know, bases loaded getting a RBI. I mean, if you get enough guys on base, eventually you're going to break through and score some runs. Yeah, that's fair. And part of that was aided by the fact that, that Vanderbilt was pretty shaky um, in, the, in the bottom of their bullpen as well. And they were having some location issues uh, on Saturday for sure. Um, but, you know, Ole Miss took advantage of them and, and got that big series win. Definitely got a lot of breaks on Saturday, but – um, I, I think like Chase Parham said uh, on Rebel Grove, that the team has a pulse. And I think that's really all you can hope for uh, with the rocky start that the team has had, being at 500 overall. Um, the fact they're still competing and they're still winning some high-level games really shows you the potential that's there, like like John said. Um, Good. Then, then looking ahead, you, you, you have the two big arms, and that, I mean, that gives you a chance to come, come a regional. You yeah. have, I mean, you have Christian Strand, you have Brady Bramlin, and, and uh, Will Stokes appears to be a third guy. And I mean – if you if you win the game you're supposed to win, you just you need the three. Yeah, it's a good time for Ole Miss to figure out the formula um, on the weekends, and it seems like they're it seems like they're doing that. Uh, five SEC series remain. Uh, the next two Auburn, Alabama, as John mentioned, State and Texas A and M in Oxford, and then Missouri on the road. So uh, also some tough non conference games left. You know we got State and Pearl. Um, got to travel to Arkansas State. Is that right? Yeah, I think there's one of those left, yeah. And then Memphis and Oxford, I think, is, is remaining as well. So, uh, as John mentioned, those games are just as important to Ole Miss at this point as the SEC games. Um, so keep an eye on that. Looking ahead to uh, UT Martin on Wednesday, you're probably going to see Evan Anderson. He hasn't looked great this year. Um, you know, he's only the midweek guy, but he definitely hasn't um, really gone above and beyond what we saw so much last season. But you got to hope they can beat UT Martin. I don't think that's too much of a challenge, right? I would hope so, but we, if, if, Mike's tough. Try, yeah. if Mike's trying to save arms in the pen, which he wants to, but may not be able to, then we'll see. I mean, can yeah. can Mitchell Babb and Drake Robeson? I mean, it is is crazy. I mean, the, the innings those guys pitch in midweek are just as important as anybody else. I got to say, like, like I mentioned at the top of the segment, I mean, they they looked good in Pearl. Um, I think Mitchell Babb, especially, uh, he looked like he could be a solid guy, especially down the road. So there's hope. There's hope in that bullpen for sure. Um, and maybe a little more depth than we thought there was. But uh, I think that's probably about it on baseball, guys. you have anything else you want to talk about this week for baseball? That's it on my end. You got anything, Austin? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Well, uh, we want to thank Austin so much for coming on the show. Uh, I think he's about to hop off uh, before our next segment here. But uh, we really appreciate it, man. You're welcome anytime. Um, you know, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, maybe talk to you all later during baseball season. Yeah, man, I hope so. Really, thanks a lot to Austin for coming on. We can't thank him enough. Uh, was that our first guest, John? No, we had table on that one time. It was our, our second guest. So, uh, our, our first, first real guest. Yeah, our first guest with actual program access and uh, some sort of credentials. So, we really appreciate having Austin on. Um, like I mentioned, a good friend of ours from college. So, before we hop in uh, on some recruiting topics, and there are definitely some topics to talk about. Um, it's an exciting recruiting season for Ole Miss fans. Uh, I want to talk a little bit real quick about a great sponsor of Rebel Sports Radio and the V Sporto Network that I've talked about before, 
and that, of course, is DraftKings.com. You may be familiar with DraftKings. I'm not sure. If you listen to this podcast, you've definitely heard me talking about it. But basically, DraftKings is fantasy whatever, whatever you want to play. If it's football, basketball, baseball, golf, uh, I mean, probably a great time to play fantasy golf, right? Kind of some exciting stuff going on there with young guns like Jordan Spieth and Roy McIlroy. I don't know too much about it, but I did watch some of the Masters. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, you like any of those sports, they have the one-day league for you. They let you get in for as little as a dollar a day. There's no season-long commitments. Uh, it's not like a traditional fantasy league at all. You don't have to get locked in with your roster. Um, basically, if you follow the sport, you keep up with it, you're going to be able to uh, to play a good roster on, on whatever day it is You know, because you're, you're not picky before the season. Um, so give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. DraftKings.com. Use our promo code, VSPORTO. We'd really appreciate it if you guys did this. Letter V, the word SPORT, and the letter O. Uh, that's going to get you 100% match deposit up to $600. So, you know, if you want to start playing DraftKings, uh, do us a favor. Do yourself a favor. Use our code, VSPORTO, and, uh, and get going with, a, with a, a good amount of money in your account there. Uh, this year, DraftKings is going to give out a billion dollars in prizes. So start playing the day and start winning. And, John, that is what Ole Miss is going to be doing in a year or two. They're going to start playing and they're going to start winning because they're going to have – who under center? Who are they going to have, John? They're going to have Mr. Patterson. Indeed, center. indeed. Shea Patterson himself, the five-star quarterback, making a run at perhaps the best player in the country before it's all said and done. Uh, and he is 120%, 120% committed to Ole Miss, I'd have to say. Um, he was in town this weekend, brought along some absolute studs with him. Uh, his good friend Devin White, who plays running back and linebacker, and I got to tell you, man, I watched some of this film earlier, and Devin White is a beast. Six foot, two fifty, and can run. He can play middle linebacker or running back. Apparently, Freeze told him that he will recruit him solely at running back right. if that is what Devin White wishes. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling our uh, our uh, Mr. Patterson, or uh, should we call him Mr. Patterson from now on? Nah, we'll call. We'll, him we'll mix it up. We'll call him Shay. Shay. Shay's like. Like, yo, Hugh, here's the deal. I need an offensive tackle because you can't recruit anybody, so I'm going to bring Willie Allen up here. He's going to fall in love with everybody. And then Devin White is, can run around, so let's bring him on the team. And he can come and be Miles Jack, play a little middle linebacker, play a little running back, and just be an all-around athlete and blow people up. And then we have a commitment at the end of this past weekend. Greg Eisworth, I believe I'm saying yeah. that correctly. Yeah, Greg uh, Eisworth. Uh, athlete from Grand Prairie, Texas, representing the Metroplex. He, uh, I believe, he's playing quarterback now, but being recruited at safety. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, we we posted. I posted um, a link to his huddle from last season on our Twitter account, and uh, he he plays some safety in the video, but mostly quarterback. But mostly, this kid can flat out run. He is very fast. Um, he seems to have decent skills and coverage. I know he's been to some camps and practiced as a defensive back. Um, but, but I think, you know, put a red shirt under his belt and he definitely has the physical tools. Um, and he picked Ole Miss over some schools like Baylor, Oklahoma, stuff like that. So definitely a good get for Ole Miss. I thought it was interesting with that, John, was the story with his commitment seemed to be more that Ole Miss accepted his commitment than that he committed. It seems right now like there might be some, uh, some kids kind of waiting in the wings, some maybe three-star kind of guys that are ready to come on board, and Hugh Freeze just doesn't know yet if he wants to use the spots on them. Do you see? Do you see any of that in this class? I think. I mean, it definitely sounds like that's the that's the deal with this class right now. With I mean, because who? 
they're, they're in on so many kids. And we, I mean, we talk about how ooze about how talented Shea Patterson is on the field. He's just as talented recruiting people off the field. Sure. I'm blanking. Who's the safety that's committed to Alabama? So, yeah, Shyam Carter is an Alabama commit four star that, that came along with Devin and Shea this weekend. It seemed like he had a good time. Yeah, Shea was basically like, yeah, we're going to flip this kid because he's really good. So that's, I mean, the, the recruiting, I mean, the staff's proven they can recruit people. But having Shea Patterson there, being a leader, you see the event in Atlanta, I forget, the, I'm blanking on the name Flight of it. Flight school. Flight school. He's wearing the Ole Miss visor, looking like a frat star. He's also, he's got the loyalty shirt on and the pictures from the Grove Bowl weekend. I mean, he is yeah. a... He's a invaluable billboard for Ole Miss recruiting right right now. So it is. Absolutely. I mean, it is absolutely. It's borderline surreal the job that he's doing off the field to bring pe- people with them. And he's. It is. It is going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch him be quarterback in Oxford. That's for absolutely. Sure. And I think after Saturday when Shea was in the stands, I mean, he's probably thinking the same thing we are. And that is when he shows up on campus uh, in less than a year now, John. I think he's going to enroll in December. So when he shows up on campus in 19, 20 months, uh, is he going to be able to challenge for that starting job? I think I think there's a good chance he is. I think so. I mean, I mean, the dream scenario is Chad, is Chad Keller, whoever. We'll, we'll throw if it's Buchanan, whoever is the quarterback comes in, throw has a ridiculous year, forty touchdowns goes pro because he takes him to a national title, and then Shea comes in and starts as a freshman, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, that's 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 one ideal scenario. I'd say the other is Chad Kelly's really, really good, uh, and Shea's cool with red shirting. But uh, I would be cool with either one of those, either one of those scenarios. Um, but I think either way, in all reality, uh, unless things change a whole lot from where they are right now, Shea Patterson's going to challenge any quarterback on the oldest roster for that starting position just with... His tools. He's also said that the offense he runs uh, currently in high school is very similar to Hugh Freeze's offense. So I think there's definitely a lot of potential there for some early playing time for Patterson. Absolutely agree. Especially him being a December grad, he'll come in and get a spring under his belt. So he he'll he'll have a chance to get his feet on the ground, learn, get refined. Well, as, as, as you mentioned, he runs a similar offense now. Kind of get the refined version of it that he'll be running at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. His brother happens to be the quarterback coach, so he could probably get some additional prep from that. So it's kind of just all—it's all working out. It's kind of fun to see. So absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say, John, that it seems like Devin White is gonna be the next big name to commit to Ole Miss. I mean, basically, he said this weekend once the coaches told me that they could they would recruit me as a running back, uh, that was the only thing that was holding me back. I just don't see where else he's going to be pulled to stronger than he's pulled to Ole Miss right now. You know, with his very good friend Shea Patterson, the quarterback, all the stuff that's going on. It seems to me like we're going to get a Devin White commitment in the next couple of months. I totally agree. And geographically, he's on the Louisiana-Arkansas border, so it's not like he's down yeah, there. Basically, Shea Patterson is saying, I'm going to take – uh, seven or eight of Louisiana's top ten, and not saying that's going to happen, but that seems to be his plan. If that was to happen, that would be hilarious to watch the LSU meltdown. I mean, if Patterson takes Devin White, uh, let's say Willie Allen, Shyam Carter, and let's say uh, McKelty uh, Jones, I think the receiver. I mean, that's yep. five of the best players in Louisiana. LSU and Les Miles would not be happy about that. I'll tell you, and it's interesting to see L. LSU, as far as how do they do on the field this year as well, if they don't get the quarterback scenario figured out, they're going to be an 8-4 and four team, which 
Mm-hmm. You're sitting there like LSU put it back to back mediocre seasons, especially by their standards. Ole Miss is potentially. I think. I think watching Ole Miss in the spring, they're gonna their their offense is gonna be functional enough. They're a nine ten win team. I mean, eight. I, I think. I think eight is the absolute floor. People are talking about the Florida game in Gainesville as dangerous. Uh, but i got to tell you, John, Florida doesn't have an offensive line. Florida's offensive line appears to be as bad or worse than Tennessee's last year, and we saw how that worked out. I mean, a team without solid SEC offensive line is not going to score points against Ole Miss's front. That's just my opinion. No, they have that. I forget, I'm blanking on the, the one receiver that's a good player. Besides that, they don't really have any offensive skill players. So, yeah. And quarterback, what – Treon. I don't, yeah, I mean yeah, the quarterback's I mean, fine, but you just you can't do anything when you have eight, I think, offensive linemen, and they're not even all on scholarship. Like I just, and they're, they're losing a lot to the draft too. They have some um, some offensive linemen that are projected to go in the first few rounds, I think. So I think that's a pretty big rebuild. I think Ole Miss is getting them at the right time this season. I think that's a win. I'm not sure where your losses come. You know, you you have to think Ole Miss is. I mean. You know how bad Hugh Freeze wants to beat Malzahn in Auburn this year after the way things have gone down the last two years. Um, I just, I, I think something's got to give in that matchup. I don't think Malzahn can beat Freeze three times in a row after how close it's been the last two years. But, you know, it could be wrong about that. Obviously, at Alabama's a big test. Um, at Starkville. But I, I think that, that nine wins is, is probably to be expected. Eight's the floor, and more than nine is is still very much in play at this point. Obviously, when August comes around, we get some guys back from injury. We see um, maybe if we can hear Laquan say that he's 100%, that'll at least make me feel a little bit better. Uh, stuff like that. But a lot I, of potential. The, key, the, the key is Laramie. If Lar- I mean, I think Laramie will come back and play for sure, but if he, yeah. if he can be... Is if he can be the elite tackle, I think that he has enough support around him this year between everybody between Still and Cooper and Taylor being a year older and Justin Bell being in better shape to where Laramie at his highest level can really I mean he he can take an average line and make them good and make right. them really good. Well, I mean the so, reason Laramie got hurt in the Peach Bowl was because someone else's man blew up the backfield and rolled up Bo on top of him. I mean yeah. Laramie has basically been more than held back by the rest of his line thus far in his career. Um, like I said, I think Rod Taylor with the year under his belt, next to him at guard, um, some of the other guys on the offensive line, along with you know those big blocking receivers, I think they're going to make things easier for Laramie. And I expect a full recovery from him. I mean, he's so determined. He's so athletic. Um, he said in that interview a couple weeks ago, this is the first time he's ever really had a serious injury. Uh, but still, you have to think that a guy like Tunzel is going to put in the work to come back 100%. Absolutely. What was the quote he had? I'm just going to go out there and work hard and show well, he said, everybody. Yeah, they were they were asking him, um, you know, if he's worried about being the number one pick, if he's worried that after getting injured that he might not, you know, still be perceived that high in the draft. And his quote was, you know, I'm just going to have to go out there and show them who the number one pick is. So you got to love that attitude as an Ole Miss fan. Um, he's just he's just such a winner, and he's he's so he's he's quiet. He's a worker. Um, gotta love Laramie Tunsil, one of the the all time great Rebel linemen. Could go down in history after this year is all said and done as you know the next great lineman since Michael Orr. Um, but that's what I've got on football recruiting, John. I think we touched all of our our main bases there. The new commitment out of Eisworth. Um, obviously, last week we talked about Charles Wiley, defensive end. Um, switching to another sport quickly. Obviously, we're following Malik Newman's recruitment very closely. Um, some news came out on that today. 
Uh, he announced he wasn't going to have time to take any official visits. Originally, he'd been planning to visit um, all of his top six, which I'm going to rattle off real quick here. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Kansas, Kentucky, NC State, and LSU. Um, but it turns out he's not going to have time to do that. Got a pretty busy schedule with All-Star Games and um, uh, Team USA and stuff like that. So honestly, John, I'm not sure how this really bodes for Ole Miss, but I got to say my initial reaction was not a positive one. Um, it feels to me a little bit like it's Kentucky right now. Kentucky lost a lot to the draft. They lost Devin Booker. I mean, we've been saying that Malik Newman is going to play a point guard at the college level. Obviously, that's where, he's, that's where he projects in the NBA. But, you know, he is a shooting guard right now. And Kentucky, I think, has some playing time for him at shooting guard. I don't know so much about point guard. They got Uless and then the recruit Briscoe um, maybe ahead of, him, ahead of him on the depth chart. But I think he's been attracted to Kentucky for a while. I obviously don't have any real access or insight into this, but it just feels like it could be trending that way right now. Yeah, it, it feels – it seems like on paper, as I sit here and think about it, it I mean, it's probably Kentucky, but I don't I don't think it's as – I don't think it's – it doesn't feel to me quite as clear-cut as it may look just because yeah. I, I don't – Malik never – it never struck me that he was going to take all his visits anyway or really take a whole lot Right. Of no, I mean, he's already been to all these schools anyway. Yeah, he he is really he knows all the factors he needs to consider. I think it's just a matter of him sitting down and asking himself what does he want to do. And I mean, the Kentucky probably has a Kentucky has a bump right now because a lot of their roster is emptied out. So now, the, plus the, he gets to play for Cal. I mean, how many guys does he put in the league? Yeah, but like I said, I don't. He does that, but Malik wants to go out there and play thirty five minutes, take a bunch of shots. Just right. So I think that helps Ole Miss. That does help Ole Miss, and AK obviously would have no problem with that, as would a number of other coaches. But AK in particular, it, it feels like it feels like Kentucky leads, and maybe Ole Miss might be second in this even. And I feel like, well, yeah, Ole Miss LSU maybe LSU, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, LSU pulling this one out of the hat wouldn't shock me. So, that's, yeah. I, I mean, I we know Jones can recruit, so. Absolutely. I don't know. There have been rumors. Honestly, there have been rumors that he was absolutely not going to basically every school that's still in his top six. So I don't really know how much stock you can put into that stuff. Um, yeah. I'll tell you, Mississippi State thinks they have him in the bag, yeah. but maybe that's just you know the crazy message boards fans that I'm talking about and not really indicative of their whole fan base. But, I mean, Hallen has put a lot of players in the league. Uh, but then again, you know, in at the Nike All-American game, or the sorry, the McDonald's All-American game, excuse me, um, he told reporters that he wasn't that interested in new coaches and that really didn't have an impact on his decision. So to me, that says that Mississippi State is really just in his top six because home state school, his dad went there, stuff like that. Um, but I don't think they're a tournament team. Uh, with him, maybe it's a coin flip whether or not they're a tournament team next year. Uh, but without him, certainly not. Um, so I don't know how much he cares about that, but he has said before um, in his few stated goals, besides going to the league, he wants to win a national championship. Uh, so you would think that would rule out a team like that. But um, really no timetable in his announcement. Who knows when it's actually going to happen. Uh, he has another month and a half, I think, in this signing period. So, you know, keep your ears open. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at I am Malik Newman. He's a pretty funny follow. I like the guy. He seems like a nice kid. Um Definitely a baller on the court. I'll watch him wherever he goes. But you got to hope as an Ole Miss fan, he consider your program. One more thing, a note on Newman. Uh, 
it was announced uh, in the last day or so that he had maybe received some overtures from uh, some overseas teams, Europe, China, stuff like that. Maybe talking about as much as a million, a million and a half, two million dollars uh, in total compensation with your salary plus your shoe deal, stuff like that. So that's obviously something to look out for. Um, I know there was a player that was signed to SMU last year that ended up uh, playing in China, made some money, and now he's projected to go in the, the, you know, in the lottery pick this year for the NBA draft. So, you know, if you're Malik Newman, that's something you definitely have to consider. If I was a high school basketball player that was that elite, you know, it's something that I would definitely think about because um, the money's there. But, you know, not to be too cynical, I mean, he's, he's probably going to make some money no matter where he goes. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's gonna have a good, a very good NBA career, and definitely be. He'll be in the league for a few years for sure. I mean, with his offensive game, he's a, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a tweener. But you have to think that if he can get the, the point guard position down, he can be a mainstay in the league for a while. He can score, and that's a scoring league. Somebody somewhere will have a roster spot for him to come in and give him minutes every night for sure. I mean, that that's his that's his floor at this point. His ceiling is he. Develops all around, develops his game all around, becomes a good defender, and he could be. I mean, I think his scoring ability gives him all star potential if he can just be solid in other phases. So, mm-hmm. interesting to follow that over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. So, fingers crossed, guys. He hasn't ruled Ole Miss out yet, but maybe not looking too great at this point. But, you know, never give up. Um, you're always in it till you're not in it. And we learned that over and over, especially from Andy Kennedy's teams and from Mike Bianco's teams, apparently. Um, but yeah, that'll about do it on Ole Miss news. Uh, a little other note: uh, Jim Borsig, the chairman of the IHL, resigned his position that he had only accepted maybe six or seven weeks ago. Um, he's going back to be the president of Mississippi University for Women full time. Uh, you know, just another twist and turn in this this terrible Dan Jones saga. Um, I guess we'll have to figure out who the next IHL chairman will be because they're going to be instrumental in picking Ole Miss's next chancellor um, a few months from now. But uh, did you want to talk about anything else, John? The Masters for this weekend. Uh, Jordan Spieth kind of ran away with it. It was never really even competitive. Um, did you get to watch any of that? I watched a good bit of that. That's really one of my top things of the year. From uh, for everybody listening to the podcast that doesn't know me, I'm a I'm I'm, I'm a big golfer. That was my high school sport. Do a I got an annual golf trip coming up here at the end of May. I'm really looking forward to and whatnot. But uh, where are you going? We are going to the. I don't know if you're familiar with the Robert Trent Jones yeah, Golf Trip yeah. in the state of Alabama. They, they do a really good. They it's a really good deal. And for like the, the, the two other two of the other main resorts in the U.S. like Pinehurst, North Carolina, and Bandon Dunes in Oregon. I mean they're they're incredible. But you can play the RTJ Trail for like a fourth of what you would pay to go do one of those. So yeah. like value wise, it's really one of the well, that's awesome. So, so yeah, yeah, give us well, give us your master's takes. You got any hot yeah. takes for us? Yeah, Jordan Spieth is he's the second best player in the world right now. He's he's the most consistent player in the world. Who's the best, Rory? Rory's the best in the world. Rory at his absolute best is the is probably the is the most explosive guy just because he, he hits the balls so far that he can hit shots that nobody else can can do. Spieth is a he's a medium long hitter versus Rory being one of if not the longest players in the game, but. Regardless, Spieth, I mean, Spieth has been the most consistent player since this past August. He um, probably – here he, he, I get your take on this, Justin. Two years ago, he was 19 years old, just decided uh, – came out – spent a year playing University of Texas. Comes out, he's 200th in the world, wins on the PGA Tour at age 19, earns his full-time status. And then uh, going into the Masters, he's all the way up to number four in the world. 
and now I haven't seen where he, what he's up to now, but he's he's effectively like I said the number two player. He and Rory are going to have a Tiger Phil like rivalry the next ten years or so. Potentially some other guys jumping in there as well. But I think that comparing it to Tiger Phil, I mean Tiger Phil was really hyped up and dramatic, but you saw Tiger Tiger came out ahead of that more vast majority of the time. Whereas whereas Rory's really good, but he's not quite as good as Tiger was in his prime. Rory doesn't put Rory doesn't putt as well as Tiger did. But freak mm-hmm. scandal. And where then, did where did where did Rory finish this weekend? He, I think he finished third or fourth. He he was gonna miss the cut until middle of the round Friday, and then I think he played the last two and a half rounds like fifteen under par or something. Wow! I mean, if he had, I mean, he kind of started off like that. Yeah, he, he shot sixty six the last day, six under, and really played wow, good, not great. So it was, I mean, he, he just was coming on at the end there, yeah. Coming off the end, but it essentially ran out of time or got off to a poor start. However, you want to look at it, but yeah. the speed, but the comparing the speed to McElroy, what I think it'll be compared to Tiger Phil. Speed will be speed's a better version of Phil, especially from a consistency standpoint and from a from a make a cl- make clutch mid range putt standpoint. And Rory's not quite quite there. I mean, this ought to be really fun to watch over the going forward. Um, Ryder Cup, which is a golf event that the casual fan can really get involved in, just because it's a the U.S. versus Europe dynamic. Um, Speed's going to be the he's going to be the guy that takes over Tiger and Phil's shoes as far as the stalwarts on that team going against Rory and the rest of the European squad. So it's going to be exciting to watch. And then re- the other kind of Masters thing is you saw. I mean, Mickelson played well. He's Phil deserves to win the U.S. Open. I don't know how in tune you are, Justin. Mickelson has won three of the four majors, and the one he hasn't won, the U.S. Open, he has finished runner-up six times in. So wow, six times. Oh my gosh! Always, a, always a bridesmaid, huh, Phil? Which is a record, and he's. I mean, he's <laughs> lost. He's lost the tournament about every way you can imagine. So, wow. if he can, he the last piece of his career obviously is to win a U.S. Open, and then Phil's pretty much done and it, but it, he, he looks in good shape games are coming into good form this year he's i wouldn't for any golf real close golf fan listening to this i wouldn't judge phil mickelson's results at all before the u.s open because phil phil's a guy, kind of guy where he's interested in the four weeks of the year which would be the four major championships and he's going to be most interested in chambers bay and washington here in june where they're playing the u.s open this year so right That'll be interesting. And then Tiger came back this week. He looked to me. He looks physically like he can healthy. He can go at. He can hit when he needs to go at a shot. He can do it. Um, short game. Everybody had. He basically his short game when he came back in February was terrible. The common term you hear in the golfing community is the yips, yeah. the basic nerves over the ball. I never bought that because I figured Tiger was just rusty. I mean he. Is mentally one of the strongest athletes to ever compete. Ever compete. Well, didn't, he, didn't he try to revamp his swing? He he's changed his swing about four times. He's finally, I think he's he. It's about oh, I can't keep up with it. Three years ago, he hired Sean Foley, who kind of has his way of swinging the club, which was which was interesting. And I've and Tiger's kind of always been looking around. He's finally the past year decided he's just going to go back to kind of doing it by feel. And he's got a he has a swing coach. It's not one of the big five or ten guys. Not not to say I think I believe Chris Como's his name. He's not saying Chris Como's not a good coach by any stretch, but he's not like one of the big swing. He's like a second tier coach, which by that he's probably like a top fifty coach, not a top five coach. What that what that does is Tiger's going to be more. He's basically going to be going back to what he does well because it's. I mean, Tiger at thirty nine, he know 
he knows what he does well and he doesn't do well on a go- doesn't do well on a golf swing at this point. You're not going to learn and teach yourself or any things from that standpoint. So sure. that'll be Ti- Tigers needs to play, but he he says he's going to take some time off. I bet he gets his he works on getting his game in shape. If he if he can stay healthy, he'll come back and be competitive. Now, is, will he? Everybody's asking, well, is he going to win a major again? Well, I, he, there's something in his head about Sunday since the whole scan, scandal and car accident in November, in the, November 2009. Where, and we saw it this week, he got better every round, and then Sunday he went out there and just just didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing with Tiger. But regardless, it's golf is more entertaining when he's out there playing because the whole what what could happen factor yeah. for sure. No, I agree. I mean, I was excited when I heard that Tiger was making a little comeback. Um, I think it was a Saturday, so. Uh, definitely good to see him playing a little bit better than he has the last year, a couple years. Um, and yeah, I'm excited about Speed the McElroy. Obviously, I'm a pretty casual golf fan, if at all, but uh, I like the young talent. Um, Speed is very exciting. For any of our listeners that don't know, Speed is actually dating a member of the Old Miss women's golf team. <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> no, is that I not think, true? I think there's a little catfish going on here, an inside joke. So, uh, okay, okay. I thought, see, I've been, I've been believing these tweets I've been seeing. Yeah, the Ole Miss women's golf coach, uh, I believe Michelle, Michelle Drinkard, yeah. Yes. She tweeted out, it was really late one night, and I was going, what? That's really, I was like, how did that happen? I think, actually, I think Austin, who we, you know, I guess we just had on, texted me about this. And I was, so I was looking, I was like, wow, Jordan, she's dating an Ole Miss chick. So I started Google it, and then I'm looking through, and like, golf.com, this is if you're a golf nut, you can go in and find, get scoop on this. They have like, all the player, like, a gallery of players' wives and girlfriends, and I'm looking through, and they, and they had a, I think his I think his girlfriend's name is Annie Ferret, I believe. They went to high school together, know each other from Dallas. And she looks incredibly similar to ah. this player on the Ole Miss team. I think it was an inside joke with the now Ole Miss I get it. golf team. Yeah, now I get it. Is the Photoshop and then the, the Photoshop version that Coach Drinker tweeted out had like an Ole Miss I'm forget like the little uh temporary tattoo but below the eye, like the face paint thing, whatever that's called. Right. Face tattoo. So I think it was an inside joke there, but some people <laughs> took it around with it, so yeah, it's like, me for instance, I was about to tell all of our listeners all about it, like it's a real scoop. Yeah, well, I mean, it would. I'm glad we were able to clarify this. Yeah, so. thanks, thanks for clearing that up, John. I think, uh, I I think, think if Jordan, if Jordan yeah. Spieth wanted to wanted to take his pick of a, of Ole Miss women or really any women in general right now, he yeah. would be yeah. quite popular. He's, he's in a good position for that. The other thing too, I mean, real last thing, Kit, he has his head on his shoulders. Like he's 21, but that guy, I mean, he's got he's got a head of a 40 year old. I mean. Jim Nance asked him, the lead commentator for CBS. He uh, he asked Spieth about why he's so hum- or, you know, talk about his humility or, or how he's so humble. And Spieth's response was, well, "Was that true humil- humility would mean not talking about it?" So essentially, he's sitting there going to he wouldn't even answer the he didn't even want to answer the question. To, you know, acknowledging the fact that he was humble and from that standpoint, which I thought was really really. A, a terrific answer because it's kind of hard if you're one of those guys that doesn't look for attention. You you want to you know take the compliment but not not sit there and try to bright you know contradict yourself sure. either. Which I thought he really handled it well. So yeah. anyway, there's your golf scoop. I guess we'll do a U.S. Open preview now that we can golf and ramp. <laughs> yeah, now we'll that now that uh, we all know that John uh, wants to have his own golf podcast, we'll we'll do some more <laughs> golf talk in our uh, in our final segments moving forward. Um, I mean, now that you're setting the narrative up for me, I think I might even watch some of that, that U.S. Open, man. I, I know I've heard that course in Washington is pretty crazy, right? Yeah, I think it's wide open, doesn't have any trees. I don't really don't know squat about it other than it's just it's brand new. Interesting to see. I'll, we'll we'll set aside some time where I can go. I can kind of give some lowdown on how the USGA 
great. They, the, the USGA wants to make good players look bad. So if you enjoy if you enjoy right. carnage at your tournament, it's right. sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes it's just like come on. Well, I do I do love Tiger cursing after he hooks shots. Like it's incredible. Some of the best vines I've ever seen. Uh, did you see Did you see the one Saturday where he one? like I don't know. Well, you pro- probably because it was the middle of the round Saturday. He they caught him just going off after a bad shot, and then they replayed it, and then they apologized for it thirty <laughs> seconds later. It was like, come on, CBS, you got to do better than that. But yeah, anyway. that's good stuff, man. All right, well, that's your Masters talk for this week. Um, we're happy to have you guys. We love talking Grove Bowl with Austin and some baseball. Um, psyched about you know some potential for this baseball team. Uh, catch them in action in Oxford or on SEC Network Plus Wednesday night at 6.30 versus UT Martin. Um, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Auburn. Um, also, will be available at SEC Network Plus. I don't think any of those games are on real TV. So look out for that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at SharksAFTRDark. You can follow Rebel Sports Radio at Rebel Sport Radio. Um, and you can visit our website, uh, which is LandSharksAfterDark.com. Also happen to know that there is a new Rebel Sports Radio site on the way, although I'm not going to tell you what it is called uh, because it's still in some preliminary testing. But I got to tell you guys, it looks great, and uh, I know that in the future, um, you know, especially for Android users, you're not even going to have to have an app to listen to some of our content. So get excited about that; should be coming out very soon. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on Landsharks After Dark. Uh, join us again next week. Look for new episodes on Tuesday. Uh, hotty toddy, and we'll talk to you later. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.